to curated advice on better living. Get different perspectives on personal development like healthy habits, mindset, relationships, functional movement, and biohacking. If you're looking to improve your life, but you're overwhelmed by the endless sea of self-help content, you've found your new home. We'll talk to all sorts of people from other cultures, accessing different philosophies, real people's stories, and the lessons they've learned along the way. This is the Curated Advice on Better Living Podcast. And now your host, Khaled Sultan. Have you thought of streaming? What's kind of what I'm doing with the redo right now, the, yeah. the esports thing. I don't know if anybody wants to watch me suck at just about every <laughs> esport game. Yeah, I think people tune in for the personality, bro. Yeah. I mean, they got to stick around for long enough to f- discover the personality. Yeah, I think definitely. they'll get bored before they even uh, see. Personality is a, is an interesting thing, you know. It changes depending on where you are, who you're with. I remember there was this pyramid of personality. It was like a structure. The personality is like a pyramid with three layers. The first layer is dynamic and it's the one that shifts the most and it's called your social role. Okay. So when you're with your parents, your social role is a son. So the way you speak, the volume of your voice and and the things that you right. would say are different because your your social role is a son that's so true yeah and if you're hanging out with your friends you know you know hanging out on a weekend right you're, you're being a friend you know that's yeah. your social role the way you'd speak your body language you could be a little bit more aggressive the words that you would say and, and then if you're say you're a teacher the way that you are in front of your students your social role as, as a teacher as a role model is going to be completely different 100 percent. so where you are is um very very impactful on on your personality so that the first the first part of the personality the most changing the one that you see first is the social role and then the second layer is your typical responses typical responses is how how you typically respond to situations and you have to hang around somebody for long enough to be able to see that part you know their typical responses do they are they half half full or a half half empty cup kind of person are they an optimist or are they pessimist do they respond to things genuinely in a in a positive way or do they respond to things in a negative way generally you know how some people can you hang out with some people and you're done hanging out with them and you're like oh, i'm glad that's over you know yeah. and you barely My have energy any energy drained yeah energy vampires is what i call them exactly exactly and then, and then you have other people you know like something horrible could be happening and they'll listen to you you know they'll validate your feelings and be like man that sucks that that happened man i got you you know whatever you need you know let's go do something cool you know they're they just try to see the best in every situation yeah you they're know? more empathetic yeah and understanding exactly and that ties into the last and the base of the pyramid of the personality and that's attitudes and beliefs and what people what people perceive as correct and what like what's moral and what's not moral is is very it's 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 fluid yeah it's like a freaking rabbit hole or i mean yeah some of it is very clear you know some of it is black and white you know i mean a lot of it is black and white but for some people they're that base of their pyramid you think you know what's there but you spend enough time with them and you're like Oh, oh, doing that is okay for them. You know, um, dishonesty is, is okay for them. Just that part of the, of the character of the personality, the base of the pyramid. And that base of the pyramid, the attitudes and the beliefs, is the one that is most stable and most unchanging. So when you meet somebody, you're not really meeting the entire personality yet. You see their social role. You could meet them at work. You could meet them with their spouse. You could meet them with their friends. And de- depending on the social situation, then you're going to be meeting a different person in a way. And then you meet mm-hmm. them for long enough. You get to see their typical responses, whether they're a positive or a negative person. And then you get to see what their attitudes and their actual beliefs. Are. That's personality. So if I'm going to be streaming, I gotta they got to stick around for long enough yeah. <laughs> to, to fall in love with the personality. I mean, damn, dude, I asked you, I just asked you if you'd be, you know, open to streaming and you went into all that so interesting but it's true like you really it takes time to really know somebody and sometimes people do things like sometimes people do things and you just don't expect it like they surprise you you feel like damn like was i naive was i blind did i not see this coming well yeah i mean we've all been there right through life experiences yeah we've gone through all that Uh uh-huh uh-huh there's something similar to that, but it's not as in-depth. Apparently, it was like, it's like a Japanese saying about like the three masks. Have you heard of that one? Go on. Where uh, I might butcher it because I'm trying to remember, but like you have three, like three layers, three masks that you wear. The one that you wear in public, mm-hmm. the one that you wear with like people that are close with you, and then the one when you're alone. Yes. And that's who you truly are. Mm-hmm. 
and only you know like deep down who you truly are that's absolutely it what you do by yourself determines what kind of person you are yeah yeah when no one's watching you're an actor now but mm -hmm. your background is in sports science right mm -hmm. why did you decide to you know make that shift like how did that happen it's a hard question because I don't really um, believe that I stopped doing the sports science stuff. Like I still am involved with a lot of the uh, a lot of the academics of sports science. I still teach classes about sports, uh, sports physiology, anatomy, principles of training, sports nutrition to pr people who want to become personal trainers, recreational athletes, and so on. Um, I still host events for you know in stadiums, and now I'm doing the regional esports and things like that. And that was happening in parallel with acting. But when I was doing a full-time acting job for a, for an international TV show for an, a network as big as Al Jazeera, it's 12 hours a day. It's hardcore. It's hard. It's hard to be able to do anything else alongside that. But it was six six months of work and then six months off. But during those six months of work on the show, it was it was just full on full on acting for sure uh, why i decided to to switch to do that and that only during those six months it was because um it's something that i enjoyed doing and i was picked for such a for such a great for such a big project and i thought that it's time to rise to the occasion took it on and i loved it how did that i mean initially how did that happen like if we take it back you pursuing acting was it a decision that okay i'm gonna take some acting classes and pursue acting how did this whole journey start to begin with i was very into um being on stage and you know performing whether it's rap music or theater right. or things growing up at school um, but i was also very good with with the academic stuff i was head boy at my school so i was doing all the speeches and everything and then i was emceeing and hosting and being a commentator on a lot of sporting events in university it started off by wanting to become a presenter uh, like a TV presenter? A presenter, whether it's for TV, for a show, or for a com like just a presenter, whether and, even even on radio. And that happened like you. Uh, okay. I, I, you know, I've always, I actually wanted to, to have a podcast like you and, and do, I just enjoyed host radio shows. And, yeah. But how did that happen? I mean, was that while you were in university doing sports science, or like when did that begin? Uh, a lot of the, the acting happened while I was in university. And then uh, the and a lot of the presenting happened while I was in university. I did um, acting courses on the side, and then I and then I got a lot of auditions. But the interesting thing about the auditions is, you go into audition for a project, you don't get it, you don't get booked for the project, but somebody else sees your audition tape for some other project, and they call you for that, and you don't even have to do an audition anymore because somebody who has a specific idea saw you, and they're like, that's the guy that it I clicks, want. It clicks, yeah. Exactly, and then you do that project, and then that project becomes material for you, for you to build your portfolio, and so on. Are these, are we talking like student films in the beginning, or are we talking, what kind of projects? It was a lot of um, short films, Okay. But then it became commercials. And um, for somebody who is a professional actor who wants to become a film actor, somebody who wants to be on, on TV series and things like that, you kind of want to avoid being in a lot of these commercials because you don't want to, you know, appear too much. But also you don't want to be associate. You don't want to be the... You don't be the commercial guy. <laughs> you don't want to be the commercial yeah, guy. On the... You want to be like, is your hair falling out? Use yeah. this, you know, grow your hair back pro product yeah, or, or definitely. things like that. Yeah. yeah, you, you want to be cool. You want to be mysterious. <laughs> And then you you might end up doing uh, getting called for some kind of audition because you're not an association you're not you're not the face of something um, that everybody's already associated you with. There was a call for somebody to be a presenter for a TV show, mm -hmm. and I submitted the tape. And um, Emad, the producer of the show, uh, liked my my uh, my performance, and uh, we shot a pilot. Um, Rita Khan, who is uh, the main presenter of the show, who is extremely talented. She speaks with such clarity, formal Arabic, you know, a lot of people yeah. may not realize, but there's Arabic that's that everybody speaks, and then right. there's the formal Arabic. Right, yeah, exactly. The pronunciation of every letter depends on its position in the sentence. So, and she makes... She makes it look so easy and she switches from being a full like the presenter to the story within the show yeah i mean i was just i was just watching it watching her watching you and it's just incredible very good production it's you know very professional i was watching the episode on the uh, arab stereotypes in hollywood uh -huh. lawrence of arabia and all that and I, I just i loved it man it was it's such a good production 
that's a guitar so so al jazeera gets guitar studios to work on that so we've worked with some amazing guys from guitar studios the likes of ahmed al-bakr ahmed al-bakr who has a show coming out uh on roku it's called the pact amazing it's gonna be super exciting well um, dude could you walk us back to well first of all tell the people you know what the show is give us a background on the show when it began 2019 i believe 2019 is when the shooting of season one began and the the pilot was shot early 2018 so i shot that and i forgot about it completely okay uh then i got the call and they're like okay we're going forward we got 46 episodes um how much do you want per episode wow (laughs) here's the here's here's contract uh let's start we're gonna work asap do you have a job? At that time, I did. They said, okay, well, what do we got to do to have you? Because you're the one that's been approved and we want to move forward with you. And uh, things were arranged and we started working. And it was 12 hours a day, like I said, uh, five days a week. You receive your call sheet. You have your script. At that time, I was at that time on season one of the show, my thing was the Arabic cinema section of the whole episode. I mean, the show is called About Cinema. The show is called About Cinema. Right. Can you walk us through the the concept behind the show? Because honestly, I really love the concept as someone who's taken cinema classes, you know, film theory. I really liked it. Can you walk us through that? So it's every episode talks about a certain aspect of cinema. The show is about cinema. So every episode talks about something about cinema, whether it's action films, whether it's colors in cinema, whether it's sound in cinema, whether it's horror films in cinema. We've reached the point where we got so specific to duos in cinema. We're talking about duos like Scorsese and Robert De Niro, where I, I played like a, a Robert De Niro, you know, fanatic. And I was, you know, trying to copy him and, and, and do like a you talking to me kind of thing yeah. in, in Arabic. And then we did, uh, we then we started talking about specific directors like, you know, Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, and and that's yeah. where I did the the Godfather in, in Arabic. I was dressed in the suit and we had the whole set built. The beauty of the format of the show is you have information that's being given directly to the audience through Rita Khan's pieces to camera and how she enters into the films and how the beautiful sets are created, as well as information that's given to you through the story that's happening from the beginning of the episode till the end of the episode. So there's that film aspect, there's that story aspect, and there's the characters. So there's Rita Khan, who's a very sensible human being uh, on the on the show, her character. And then there's the extreme opposite of that, which is me, who I, I keep making insane decisions, you know, and, and everybody ends up in trouble. Myself, Azam, Hassan, Amadi, all all of these people who are somehow related to film. We have our own little community in my video store, but I keep making bad decisions. And Rita Khan usually is the one to, you know, Abu, what are you up to? You're doing, come here, you know, you're doing something. I'm, I know what you're up to. Right. And in the one about the Arab uh, stereotypes, you are playing like a negative portrayal of a, like an Arab villain uh-huh. and like a, a Lawrence of Arabia style movie. And they were confronting you like, hey man, you're looking, you're making us look bad. Absolutely. So that, that was one of, that was one of the most iconic episodes on the show about cinema because it spoke up so again the show's called about cinema and that episode specifically was about arabs in cinema and the way that the story and the information was ha- was given out in that episode was through the story story of an arabic young man who really wanted to go to hollywood and the only opportunity he got was to play a role in a movie that that portrayed arabs in a very stereotypical way that hollywood usually does and with every point that was mentioned we always referred to the actual film and posted the scenes from the actual film itself and then went back to me doing the scene so there was the scene of me playing with the sword and getting ready to fight the guy who was supposedly an indiana jones and he just pulls out a gun and shoots me and everyone starts laughing because you know he easily killed me yeah and then there's the other scene with me in a in this you know ottoman style um sultan place with the colorful cushions and everything and i'm standing there and there's this scared um girl you know a caucasian girl in in the room right and i'm you know you know approaching her like i'm gonna attack her you know i remember that and then the door breaks open and this indiana jones looking guy beats me up and then saves the girl because you know again that stereotypical image of you know the arab man who wants to you know marry the the western girl yeah and then there's a point in the in the episode where my friends tie me up and they pull me away from the film set. And they're like, okay, you're not going to do this film because it's making us look bad. It's making all Arabs look bad. That's it. They put me in a room. They tie me up after sneaking onto the set of the film. And then when I wake up, I give a monologue and I say, if they're making us look bad in their films, 
How many times have we made them look good in our films? The Western man in every single Arabic movie is either a spy, and the Western woman in every single Arabic movie is just trying to make you do the wrong stuff. She's trying to ruin right. your, you know, your morals. She's you know, the source you, of temptation. She's the source of temptation. So and and so they're listening to me and they're like, you know what, Aboud, you're right. And then I break. That was a distraction, actually. Yeah. You know, like it was my it was my way to you know distract their attention so that I could escape uh, from from the the, the place where I, where I where I was being withheld. But anyway, it. This story, this this episode, is an example of how we um, we talk about cinema. It's uh, it's educational, but it's also entertaining, infotainment, uh, you know, docutainment. I don't know um, what you would. What that's you would I mean, that's what I love about it. It's you know, content to be educational is one thing, but I was watching and I'm being entertained. I'm laughing, so I'm like, I'm learning something, but I'm also enjoying it. And that's what I love about the the whole show, the whole concept. And then you have, um, you know, Rita Khan coming in. She's narrating. And then you have all these scenes play out that you're in. So did you have to take, like, did you take acting classes or courses before this happened? Like, how long was that that journey? Like, after graduating university and then uh, getting this gig? So I was doing acting um, through throughout my school, primary school, secondary school, A-levels. And I did do an acting course way before getting casted to do this show um, whilst doing the commercials and, you know, getting involved with some of the films that my friends were doing and going to auditions and constantly doing my reps. So I was, you know, a little, as you'd say, sort of in shape for uh, for when the audition for this show came along. And uh, when I got picked for it, it's basically episodes back to back to back to back to back. So you're there was a lot of learning on the job. Yeah, of course. And that, that's always the case. You know, most learning happens on the job. How did that opportunity come about? You know, that's what I want to know. Like, how did, the, did you know someone that told you like, hey, there's auditions? Or- so the the community for talent agencies or the community for films, the community for filmmakers within Qatar is not very, it's if if you're somebody who has who has talent, people know you. Uh, if you're somebody who knows how to speak, if you're somebody who has a voice, somebody wants to do a voiceover, people know you, they, they're going to like reach out to you. And also growing up, being born and raised here, you, you have a lot of friends. So if somebody hears about something and they know you're the you're the loud guy who always likes to you yeah. know, be up and entertain and be yeah. up on the front. So they're, they're going to be like, hey, Abu, check this out. You know, this this is good for you. So it came about like that. You know, um, I got a text message. Someone said, um, hey, have a look at this. They're... Um, looking to cast somebody as a presenter for this TV show. And uh, the requirement is that you send a video with this monologue. And it was a monologue about um, Marvel. And I still have that video. I went to one of my friends and I said, hey, would you help me make a self-tape so that I can submit it? And he was like, sure. And uh, that's D-Man. I want to give him a shout out. He was very kind to uh, to actually film film the monologue. And uh, he also gave me a lot of tips. He does a lot of uh, automotive media. Okay. Uh, he, he does shift media. He's, he's a super cool dude. Well, I mean, this driver and track as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll connect Huge shout out to, you know, friends that support. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you should totally have him on your podcast. His name is Dia, but I call him D-Man. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I'm open to it. Yeah. And also like shout out to the person who gave you a heads up about this role in the yes, first place. Yes. It took too long for the show to, to actually, like I said, the pilot was shot and then the actual show went. So wait a minute, you film this monologue, you send it to them. How long until they call you for an audition? 10 days after. Okay. Um, I get a text from Justin. Justin is one of the most awesome people ever. The first ever audition for anything on in front of a camera. Justin was the guy sitting in front of me, Justin Kramer. He is one of the directors at Filmhouse. Super awesome dude. And uh, he texts me and he's like, hey man, uh, I saw your audition. I think you're going to be really good for this. And I'm going to try and push for you to, to be the guy. It all fell into place because I didn't get the main presenter role because 1000% Rita Khan is the most perfect person for that. So I got to be more of the character who can put on his acting skills. I getting to switch between the local accent to the formal Arabic. And then they thought that they liked it so much, the acting that was happening in between the presenting, that season two was so much more acting heavy. If you see a 
lot of the episodes that come out in season two, we, we had full, full outfits that were made by our amazing stylist. Her name is Sadia. She was out of Virginia Commonwealth University, out of VCU from Guitar Foundation. She built, she made amazing outfits. Yeah. We had full sets built. We even made recreated friends. We had Monica's house built. We did the yeah. Breaking Bad. I'm sure you've seen. In the Star Wars. In and Star Wars, we yeah. won, we won a Venice TV award for post, uh, for post production. There you go, man. For the, for the, for the Star Wars. Well deserved, episode. man. I'm telling people it's a great show. Really, really amazing work by the team that I work with. I feel absolutely blessed to be so, working with such. So uh, 10 days. You send them a monologue. 10 days later, you do an audition. After that, how long until you shot the pilot and then from the pilot to actually starting to film? Uh, so 10 days, Justin says he's going to push for me. I don't get picked. And then that's that. And then I get a call three days before they shoot the pilot and they're like, hey, there's a the role for the the video store guy. Are you open to be the video store guy? I said, okay, I'll, I'll be the video store oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Send the script over. I receive the script and I'm the video store guy. And uh, I show up and we do it. So we, we did it. We did the uh, pilot. Took us... Um, took us one full day to shoot my section, which is the video store part, the part that's related to the Arabic cinema. Okay. And that was that. That was... Um, was this pilot aired or was it just, you know... To, no, the pilot was not aired. The pilot did it not It was air. just like a, to get a feel for the show and decide whether they're going to move on with it. Yes, to, to get a feel for the show. And um, even the cast, the character who would come into the video store and on the pilot was not the same actor who came in for the first episode. Oh, wow. The pilot was actually reshot. Uh, for when we started shooting the episodes. And it was two days per episode. It took us two days to shoot one episode, around 25-minute episodes, two full days of shooting, 24 hours to, to get that content. Wow. But now it's the even more recent episodes mm. were, are taking a lot a little bit longer because there's a lot of acting. And it's not just pieces to camera. So, you know, you, you have to get your wides and your close-ups and your transitions and, and all of that. So, yeah, we sh shoot the pilot. We wait for almost a year. And then we... Uh, I forgot about it. One year. That's what? a long time, man. Yeah, I would forget about it. I forgot about it. And then Imad, the producer, superstar. This man is, is um, he's the creator. The idea came from Yuri. So uh, Yuri, um, Dimitri Yuri, sorry. Um, the, the idea for the show. The idea for the show. Wow. Uh, and then uh, Imad... Um, took it and, and made it a full uh, series. So he pitched it to Ahmad and then Ahmad was what, working at Al Jazeera and then he made it into a show? I'm not sure about the, the details of how that worked, but I know that um, Dimitri, it was Dimitri's original idea to have something that is informational, but educational at the same time with a presenter and actors and they all interact together. And targeting an Arabic in speaking Arabic. audience. Exactly, yeah, in wow. Arabic. So one year, you shoot the, the pilot, the one that didn't hear, and you're waiting for one year. You forget about it. You get a call and they're like, you want to bring you on board to shoot for what was the deal? Like one season or one season? It was a full season. Uh, I was going to be on all 40 some episodes, uh, main cast. And, and it was it was crazy. How do you feel, man? You must have felt. Uh, it was all like you, you don't process it until you're actually there on set and and your name is on the, every, like your name is on random things like you walk into a storeroom and there are boxes with paper saying Abud's office Abud's this Abud's clothes Abud's Rita's uh, Rita's makeup room Rita's wardrobe and then and everybody on set knows who you are everybody is very friendly everybody is very loving sometimes things go wrong on set but usually as long as you're doing your best you know you i'm very lucky that i get to work with some with some amazing people and uh the feeling of walking on there was was incredible you walk in the wardrobe people welcome you my favorite my, my favorite place to, to hide was the wardrobe department i'd just go there and get some peace sadio is a very chill human being so it's awesome yeah there. yeah and then you go to the makeup and then kiki shout out to kiki our um our uh, makeup artist there's a lot of shout outs on this episode just gotta i gotta <laughs> I gotta appreciate these people who were with me for six months 12 hours a day yeah. um making us do what we do were you nervous first episode pilot yes i was nervous and i didn't understand uh that i have the the power to ask for what i need to be able to to perform the people the the, the, the originally certain individuals that i was working with were making were, were making me their style of of leadership was a little bit nerve-wracking and can't have that no no can't have that and uh so it was making me a little nervous and then um later on where, where i understood that hey abud if you need if you need time if you need space you can ask for it that you can ask for it you don't have to be calm you don't have to accommodate everybody 
because we want you to be able to give your best. And so I learned how to politely ask for what I need. And, um, which is usually what, like, what did you find helped you, uh, you know, better perform for this role and kind of just, you know, calm the nerves down. How did you overcome that nervousness? I mean, I experienced it when I first went on the radio, everybody experiences, how did you overcome that? So the nervousness was because I was getting questioned for making mistakes. So, um, if I had to say a full paragraph and I make an error, um, people would look at me in a way that like, Hey, you're, you're making us late. We need to move on to the next shot. Yeah. Not noticing, not, not thinking about how difficult it is to memorize a whole paragraph. I mean, not anybody can do that. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, so the, the crew were very supportive and they spoke to me. Um, they would always come to me and encourage me and tell me, Abu, it's, you're doing your thing. Ignore everybody else. Ignore everybody else. So that was when I was being more of a presenter, when I was uh, giving more of the pieces to camera in in Fusha, in in the formal Arabic, and switching between that and the acting. That was where I was. It was it was a little bit nerve wracking for me. Mm. But when it came to the acting, you can't be behind the camera having a conversation about what your favorite fast food restaurant is. You know whether it's, uh, it was like Burger King's better than McDonald's, and then go into a scene where you're about to cry. Oh yeah, yeah. you can't. Yeah, you have to be. You have to get in that character you know there's the stanislavski questions that you ask you're like who am i what do i want where am i what time is it who's in my way what are the stakes and you 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 have to give a truthful performance you go through a process a conscious process to activate the subconscious and when you when you go through that process you give a truthful performance in order to give a truthful performance you have to take that time to feel something inside you and then something comes outside of you. And that's when it's a truthful performance. And when people want to be friendly with you behind the scenes, you're not really taking the time to do that. You know, I had a, I, I, I worked with some awesome people, um, but because I was unable to, uh, I was unable, I, I couldn't recognize, I didn't recognize that, that I can't be having conversations just before going in to do a, a strong monologue that's, or angry or something. I didn't know how to politely say like, hey, can I just have, can I just have this moment before I go on? Uh, and then I, I learned that something that needs to be done and there's a nice way to do it. And, and I was able to do it and everybody understood. And uh, yeah, it worked out quite nicely. Yeah, that, that helps you to overcome your nervousness, having a great team, having a great team and realizing what your needs are and not being afraid to ask for them. Hundred percent. I mean, you're number one. You're putting on a, you know, putting on a performance. You can't be just talking about, you know, talking with people, catching up, and you know, there's a time and space for that. But you got to get in the role. I mean, you always hear about actors that spend months isolating or trying to get into that role, and sometimes they lose themselves. You know, like the whole Jim Carrey thing, where you know he was putting on a role and he started like forgetting who he was because of how deep he went into that role. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think, I don't know if, if the opposite of nervousness is, it would be confidence, but one of the things that brings about confidence for an individual is how much preparation they put in. If you're going into something that you've prepared so much for, you're going to be going in with confidence and you, you can't even wait. You're like, come on, you know, put me on stage. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, this thing is going to be fire. I've done the prep work. Exactly. You've done, you've done the prep work. So the more you, you put the preparation in, the more time you put in, the more confident you're going to become reading your scripts, um, you you know, coming up with with different um, options for how the director is going to want this and uh, just being ready. So the more preparation and the more readiness you have, the less nervous you're going to become. And that's the same thing with sports. You you and I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, and, uh, you know, you go into competition and then you're a little bit nervous because you don't know what the guy in front of you is. You know, you don't know if you're fit enough for it. But if you've done your if you've done the work, you've done the conditioning, you've put in the hours for training and and you go in, you're confident that you're going to do your best and uh, you're not worried about the results. A hundred percent, man. Going back to the point of that episode, which was addressing something super important, Arab steer stereotypes that actor that arab actor that wants to make it in hollywood that was my friend my friend moby okay uh, i don't know if you know moby moby Muhammad. great guy um he's a, he's a local uh, local actor we've been friends for 10 years was he with uh, was he in one of the justin timberlake um uh, that's him videos? that's the guy that's him. yeah that's... We, we actually did an acting class together yeah he's, he's a great he's a guy, guy. Yeah. he recently did a short with uh shams shams is one of the guys who's doing a lot of local productions he even had his work in that geo uh, yeah. being published on that geo recently and he direct wrote and directed a, a short that uh, moby um was he was, was telling me about he showed me he was like tied up or i don't yeah. know 
yeah, yes, was, that's the one. That's a the hostage one. or something. With Monster as well, yeah. Drake. Yeah. So my boy Moby, we've known each other for 10 years, really good friend of mine. I've had him on the podcast twice and he spoke about that. He went out to Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was studying at the time, but he got an agent and he really wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And I remember him telling me how, you know, at parties, people would tell him like, they'd make jokes like, oh, are there like no people to play terrorist roles? Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually he gets a role and guess what? It's It was for an episode on one of the CSI's right. and it was to play a terrorist. Right. Uh, he never went ahead with it. Right. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 unfortunate. I felt really bad for him because he's a really talented guy. He's putting in the work. He's, he's a dynamic actor. And I've seen this guy, you know, I've seen him do classes. I've seen him put in the effort. I've seen him perform. Like, you know, I've been there. I've seen it all. And for him to just get a role like, uh, like terrorist, um, it, it's sad, but it's unfortunate. And I'm glad that that show and that specific episode was addressing that negative stereotype. Yeah, it was uh, addressed nicely. And uh, some other guys have uh, addressed it as well. And it's good that people are addressing it in a very uh, creative and very clear way so that everybody can see. And then they're like, oh, that's it's a this is a thing. Yeah, like, there's 100% a thing. It's a thing, yeah. Because some people don't even recognize it because the films are so um, sporadic. They're so uh, far apart, like w- some old ones. And then it happens again, like 10 years later and then five years later and then three years later. Even, yeah. in, even in Iron Man, that, that yeah. the first Iron Man, the Egyptian dude in the cave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all caves. It's all, all terrorists. It's yeah. all after 9-11, like the amount of roles in like war movies and uh, what Rita Hunt said in the end um, when she was talking about like what's the solution for this right yeah should we be investing more in international media should we this is what I believe in is we should have more platforms you know created from the Arab world you know so we have our own voice you know what's your opinions on that like how to address this it's true there are a lot of platforms that are coming up right now and um, we are creating our own there's there's always there always has been an Arabic Hollywood in a way our own cinema world you know coming out of Egypt coming out of Lebanon coming out of the GCC um, coming out of North Africa Sudanese films that have been nominated for uh, you know for Oscars as well but on an international level I mean the Egyptian cinema is well known all around the Arab world but on an international level how do we get our narrative how do we share our perspective with an international audience as it you know, through investing in, 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 in Hollywood? Is it in, you know, platforms like Netflix? Like, what, what do you think the way is to go about that? I mean, that's a very good question. And maybe I'm not the right person to, to answer it. But I'll give you an example of something that I that I thought was an excellent, excellent example of sharing our perspective with the rest of the world. You've watched the show Rami, right? Yes, I love it. That show is one of the most accurate <laughs> depictions of what an Arabic family would be like living in the West. It's hilarious. It is. And it's accurate. And um, it just shows what, what what the truth, like something pretty close to the truth. I loved it. I loved it. I felt like I grew up, the way I grew up was just like that. Although I grew up here in the Middle East, but I grew up within a Western community in Dukhan on the West Coast. But the way he grows, the way he grows up with his Arabic mother and his Arabic mom and his Arabic father, sorry, uh, and his family and how he goes to Egypt and, and how he experiences Egypt as, a, as an American person, you know, American, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then yes. he sees girls and he goes to the sheikh and the mosque and what their opinion is. And, and he's trying to balance out the life between, exactly. you know, being being this teenage kid growing up in America and being the this Muslim Arabic kid who's yeah. growing up. Balancing both cultures. Yeah, balancing both cultures. And I love because he won an he won an award. I think it was a Golden Globe. I think or I believe so. Yeah, was it was something. We'll have to check it. We don't have a fact checker. Yeah, we don't have a we don't have a you know somebody to Google it. Yeah. Um. But uh, I really like what he's done. Uh, he's he's a and a lot of the guys that that have gone on his show uh, that that were cast on the show are doing a lot of stand up. Um, right, Mo Mo Amr. Uh, he did yeah, that. Yeah. He had several specials. He's a Palestinian American. Yep. An incredible special man. Yeah, excellent, excellent stand up comedy. These guys. Yeah. So it, it could be done through the stand up comedy. It could be done through you know works like such as the work that Rami did. So if we can get the 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 support, firstly we need to start doing. Things ourselves and then if we can get the support to do things that are so good that we can get eyes on us and that that content could be depicting of what the reality is away from the the image that people have in their mind that's created by not experiencing 
the reality. Well, that was a complicated sentence that I put. Good luck to listeners, you know, following have, on everything I'm saying. Have streaming platforms changed that game? Have they opened up the door? Because back in the day, I mean, Hollywood really controlled everything. And now with Netflix and with a lot of these streaming platforms, you're seeing a lot more international, international titles, international shows. And I know for a fact from someone that I know in Netflix, they're really focusing on the Arab region. They want to acquire more like originals from the Arab region because they're trying to grow their audience internationally. So do you feel like the streaming platforms have opened up a door to depict, you know, our perspective and our own content? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Now that you've asked me the question again, after I went on about Rami, uh, I think the fact that these streaming platforms are available, it means that we have places to to take our work and to take our ideas and people to listen to our ideas and it's not just one person the competition is you know is not deterring anymore you know when there's just one place and everybody's trying to get on that one place it's a monopoly it's a yeah but now there's all these uh, different streaming platforms i mean like i just said uh ahmed al-bakir uh, he's got a uh, roku he's he's got the the pact that's coming out. That's Roku. amazing, man. It's super exciting. And uh, there's local actors from here. There's... How did that happen? What's the show about? Uh, you'd have to speak to Ahmed about that. Okay. It's, it's an excellent, uh, it's an excellent story. They shot in Romania in the icy cold and they had some like top tier actors on that show as well. It would be interesting to, to have a conversation with Ahmed. Man. I'd love to have him on, man. I'd love yeah. to, you know, really look into, I'm really interested in the scene, looking into the scene when it comes to film and art. And Do you feel like the scene is growing here? Yes. <laughs> um, you can say no. I feel like you wanted to say no. I really I really wish the scene uh, would grow here. I mean, you know, coming back from New York and being at the New York Film Academy, going to shows every night and, and watching people, you know, put reps in, you know, sharpen their craft, get better at what they do. Um, for me, seeing that, that's, that's a scene. A scene where you're practicing. A scene where you're encouraged to write. Where if you're good, somebody's seeing you. Like someone's got their eye on you because something's coming up and someone's scouting, someone's looking. To be honest, um, the scene here is great when it comes to independent short films. There's great support from the Agile Doha Film Institute. They're supporting a lot of the guys to make their own films. There's a lot of young guys that are going out and creating their own films. Some of the guys I know personally, like Aiden, he's, uh, he has some really nice films like The Painter. Uh, he's got some of the local young, youthful people that really want to get involved with acting, getting involved. Khalifa El Merri, he is one of, the, one of the directors actually who directed some of a lot of our episodes. He has an award-winning film as well from here um shams like i said who is uh, making his own is making some short films now as well and a lot of guys from from here are um making films and yeah it is growing well let me put it this way there's a hunger definitely there is a hunger, and there are talents here what's missing man that's a hard question take your time what is missing i would say action action on our part action on uh the creatives part if we have films if we have series if we have scripts written and ready to be executed the support i believe is not going to be too far um there's a lot of support here and there's a lot of encouragement for um for creativity and i would say what's missing is action on our part i'm guilty of inactivity when it comes to to writing um i'm always having conversations with my friends that are into film about certain scenes from certain movies that i've recently watched Saleh al-Mari is one of the guys that i love talking about films with and uh, he's always telling me, he's like, man, you need to get a script, get a dialogue and start filming. Get a script, get a dialogue. I mean, to be filming. fair, you're also working on this big production that's super demanding. So, you know, you can't put that much pressure on well, yourself. You know, he, he says that because he knows I've got, I've had a lot of time on my hands recently. Yeah. Um, How many seasons in are you? Uh, two seasons. First uh, season was around 42 to 46 episodes, I believe. That's a lot of episodes, man. It is a lot of episodes. And you shoot them all back to back. And the season two is, I think, 36 episodes season two sorry season two 36 did i say season six season yeah. two is season two is 36, 36 episodes. episodes when's when are you shooting season three? Oh, when season when season two's episodes fully come out okay when season two's episodes fully come out hopefully when, there will be a conversation about when, that. when you shoot is it i mean you have like like let's say i don't know is it like five days back to back and then you have like a day off or like how, how is the schedule like because i know you said it's six months of shooting and then you have like six months off so those six months must be really intense it's a week. It's a five-day week, 12 hours a day. And then you have two days off. 
And then you have two days off. So like how many episodes would you shoot per week? The target is two, but sometimes the second episode drags into the week after. Okay. And uh, some of, sometimes our uh, cool producers sometimes want to keep us there for longer than 12 hours because they're like, otherwise we're going to, you know, it's going to affect the schedule. And uh, sometimes you just got to put your foot down and be like, no, I got to go home and rest and come back. We're not yeah. machines. 12 hours. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's... Uh... It's hectic, man. My buddy uh, that I mentioned, Moby, yeah. he's actually, um, he's uh, writing a web series. That's uh, cool. Yeah, it's, man, it's a really, I've seen him, he's been script writing for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he always bounces ideas. I'm always helping him out with uh, the writing and things like that. Because I come up with all sorts of crazy ideas. But this um, web series is really great. Um, he was asking me, like, with, like do, you, do you think I should like, pitch it to, like, a streaming platform? What should I do? And I was like, listen, man, like, I'm going to try to connect him and try to give him, a, like, uh, an opportunity to pitch it. But even if that doesn't work, I was telling him, that, dude, just film it, get it done, put it out there. You know, like, we got to start creating content here. And then, like you said, maybe you'll get noticed. If we start to just action on our part here, you know, creating content, putting things out there, and people are, you know, they're vibing with it, yeah. that can get attention. And then you never know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it won't be cheap, but yeah. Um go ahead and uh, make it happen. Um, I was watching Napoleon Dynamite the other day and uh, apparently that movie is uh, someone's school project. Right. Yeah. And, it's so low budget and it's a, it's a cult classic. One of my favorites. It's amazing. The way he... Gosh. <laughs> <the> way he, <laughs> my God. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. I love it, man. Yeah. So we talked a lot about film, but uh, I want you to know that it is a hat that I wear. Am I a actor? I would like to say that I'm an actor. I feel like I haven't done enough to call myself an actor and hence why I went to the New York Film Academy even after shooting two full seasons of an award-winning TV show. Uh, that's pretty harsh, man. I would say you are an actor, like given the, the production you've worked on. like Thank you, man. Um, maybe you're being too hard on yourself. I don't know. The, the, the imposter syndrome, it's like, it's like with jiu-jitsu, man. Like, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for so long, on and off, but when I got consistent and I got given my blue belt, I felt like I don't really deserve this, you know? It's just that it's that feeling of I got to be better. Look, let me tell you something. I mean, that's that's drive, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I feel the same way, man. You know, whether it's jujitsu and I got my blue belt. I remember saying like I was like hesitant. And then and then one of the, the black belts who I've had on the podcast, Mikhail, he came up to me. He's like, listen, man, a black belt gave you that. You're a blue belt. Yeah. Whether you think so or not. And you're an actor, you know, <laughs> whether you consider yourself a runner or not. <laughs> Are you a black belt at acting? I'm not a black belt at acting. <laughs> Well, but uh, from, I, from I, an audience perspective, as someone you. who's watched this show. Like, thank you. Thank you so much, man. It's something that many of us creative people go through. Yeah. We just constantly feel like oh, we're not there yet. Uh, we need to be doing more. Like you just constantly feel that. And I don't know, man, I guess it's, it's a journey, right? It is a journey. It is a journey. Man, I want to tell you a little bit about my perception of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's a journey. And it's a journey that has a lot of adversity in it. You walk in, you put on a gi, you do a warm-up, you're already exhausted. You drill an exercise or a move and you can barely repeat it. You get partnered up and you start rolling. Somebody's holding you down. You can barely breathe. You're exhausted. Someone's weight is on top of you. You feel claustrophobic. You tap. You slap their hand and fist bump them and you go again. You panic. You, you use all your strength. You're exhausted. You're gassed. You can't breathe. You tap. You do it again. You do it again. You do it again. You go home. You don't want to come back because it's so exhausting. But then the community there... They bring you back. They're not trying to show you that they're better than you, but they're trying to grow with you. They hold your hand. They hold you back up. They teach you. They guide you through the difficult moments. And you do it and you do it and you do it. And when you're in that stressful situation, when someone's putting their knee in your stomach and they're applying that pressure, instead of panicking and staying there and making the wrong move, you learn to make the right decision under stress and under pressure, and you can get out of it and advance a position. Think two steps ahead. What is he trying to do? How am I going to escape that? How am I going to be offensive within the sport? And that translates in real life. When you're under stress, when you're in a, in a tough situation in real life, do you give in to the, to, the, to the immediate response and what you want to do? You want to yell? You want to shout? You want to just give your opinion when it was not called for? Or do you just be calm and under that stressful situation and make the right decision that you know, that you know that you know, like you know that what the right decision to make is. Tell you what, man, that's definitely a good, um, good metaphor for life. Cause man, in life sometimes shit happens and you just, you have no control of it, man. Sometimes shit just hits you and 
There's a lot of things that we can't control, man. All we can control is ourselves. And I think you touched on something that's super important with jujitsu. You start off and you're just getting your ass kicked. You're getting dominated. You want to quit. You know how many times I wanted to quit? There's been many times where I stopped showing up to jujitsu. And if it wasn't for the right person, I wouldn't have been there. I remember the, I remember the very first day. I mean, we know each other because of jujitsu. I met you on the mats. Yeah. And, uh... I remember seeing you giving everything you have and sitting on the side looking like you you just you're baffled you're like I've, I'm doing everything I can how am I still unable to you know hold a position or hold my own or or not get tapped out or, but then you kept on coming back and you kept on coming back and you kept on coming back and that despair turned into determination that despair turned into I no, I'm going to keep coming back. And you, you got comfortable with, with it. You got familiar with it, with the difficulty and the adversity until it changed and turned into knowledge, until it changed and turned into familiarity. You became familiar with these situations. You no longer panic. When you no longer panic, you had a lot of your attention available at your disposal to perform an escape, to perform a sweep, to go for an attack. And then it became a game where it's backwards and forwards, where you're not the one who's constantly receiving the jujitsu, but you're giving out jujitsu as well absolutely and it takes time for somebody takes time for us to be able to reach that level and there's a lot of struggle and having a great team and having a great home like our guys like coach tasio and coach fabricio and and coach emmy that's 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 home for me man the community is important because there's been many times i remember where like i just feel like absolutely defeated man someone would just share some positive words with you i remember uh, like Sid once mm-hmm. told me, shout out to Sid. Good guy, he, man. Good guy, man. He was like, listen, man, it's okay. He's like, sometimes you're the nail, sometimes you're the hammer. Yep. You know? Did he tell you that? <laughs> he said that to me. Yeah, all the time. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was having a conversation with him. The way he rolls, Sid is a brown belt for you guys to know. He's a, he's a top guy. He's been around for a very long time. And he is, he starts at point A from the start of the roll. He knows he's going to point B and there is no going back. He only advances to Towards what he wants and to he's get. He's strong. He he doesn't even use that strength. He just uses his technique, and he's moving forward only. There is no moving backwards. He's going towards a submission or a position that he wants, and you can try and stop him, but all you're gonna do is slow him down, and it's a slow, painful death rolling with Sit. Absolutely. <laughs> he man. knows where he's going, and he keeps advancing towards that with heavy pressure and incredible technique. I love that guy. So yeah. you're, you're either the nail or the hammer, huh? Right. And he's like the beginning of your jujitsu journey. You're gonna be the nail Mm -hmm. until eventually you become a strong nail the way he put it man and it's so true man with jujitsu it's jujitsu teaches you a lot about um mental toughness mental strength resilience i mean god knows man like shit happens in life man happens to all of us and these times are like if you're not resilient things can really break you and i've seen it happen to people that i know definitely good lessons uh you can learn from jujitsu absolutely and then there's so many lessons that sometimes I'll, i'll be sitting on the mat feeling defeated after a long hard day and uh and it's not just because of jujitsu. It's because of things that happen in my personal life. And a uh, coach who knows me very well, he'd come next to me and he'd sit down and he would say, Peruca, because <laughs> that's, that's what they call me. Right. Peruca. Portuguese for what? Afro? Or? For wig. Wig. So they call me wig man. Yeah. And he tells me, the water, it come from the top of the river and it's passing down. The water it pass, it never the same water pass again. But after it passed, behind you see the trees and you see the grass. Despite the poor grammar of that sentence, it resonated with me so powerfully. It's like the water that flows coming down from a mountain, it will flow and it will never come back, but it leaves goodness behind. And that's like the people in our lives. You know, he said that to me one time and it made me focus on the good things that I was left with my experiences with people and just focused on that. And that just made me feel better for a whole lot of days after. So yeah, anyone who does jujitsu, anyone who's been in jujitsu for a very long time, anyone who's still in jujitsu, it's hard to, uh, to not become a patient, good guy because you get humbled, man. Constantly. Constantly. That's jujitsu for you, man. And two blue belts talking. What do we know? I feel like blue belts are like glorified white belts. <laughs> yeah, we're, we shouldn't be talking about jujitsu, man. Yeah. <laughs> for now, you're on board with this, uh, you know, uh, you know, about cinema show. Where do you see that going? Are you going to be, you know, are you going to be with them for a while? Or is there something else? Like, do you want to take your career in a different direction? Like, how do you envision future is for your career? The future is unknown. 
I've uh, signed with uh, an agency recently. Here? Yes. Uh, Abstract. That's uh, Shahad's agency. Yes, Shahad. Yeah, shout out to Shahad. Shout out to Shahad. She's, she's a, great. She's a star, yeah. Um, she's uh, taking care of me so far. Going to be helping me manage my social media and, and get some projects on board. So if the projects come, if casting calls that she's going to be helping. What look, kind of, because she mostly works with like um, commercials, advertisements, like lifestyle kind of content, modeling, things like that. What are you hoping to to do with that? None of that. I hope to do acting. <laughs> I hope that it will be mainly acting. And you've spoken to her about that? For sure, for sure. Um, that was the main conversation. The market for actors, for actors is very, uh, very small. People who have experience in acting on professional sets, on film and on TV series and shows right. are very little. We're going to, or Shahad is going to be putting us forward, myself and um, the very small amount of actors in Qatar. I love what she's doing, how she's, you know, she's made her own agency. She's taking ownership. Shahad's been a very supportive person. In fact, Shad was one of the people that supported me to make my Instagram public and start to put myself out there because I was an extremely private person. Yeah. Super private person. So she, you know, she gave me that push to do that. She was doing social media with us at QBS Radio for a little while. Wow. That's how we met. But you know, Shahad's, uh, you're in good hands yeah, here well, with Shahad. That's I, for sure. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. How long do you see yourself, um, you know, rolling with about cinema show? Like, how long do you see yourself with the project? Is it approved like by season? So like, for example, they're going to approve season three and then it's by season. Or is it like, okay, we're going to do another, you know, certain amount of seasons. And how does that work? It's by season and it's very hard to, to know. It's very hard to know. We just wait and uh, hope that good things are coming. So you have no idea if season three is happening right now? No, we don't. But uh, all I can tell you is, you already know this, but the TV show has won 16 Telly Awards and it's won Venice TV Awards and um, it's got good viewership, 8.9 on IMDb. And uh, it's available for you guys to watch on YouTube. So you can give your opinion on it yourselves. So there's no reason for it to be discontinued. I don't think it would be discontinued. It's such a great show. It's doing so well. Do you feel like a show like that would have done a better... I mean, it's already done amazing, but would have reached a, a higher potential if it was on a streaming platform like Netflix or, you know, which is like available to like an international audience? Yes. Being a show about cinema on a mainly news channel, I think the impact would be greater on a on a streaming platform however um al jazeera is a great network and they get all, they get tons and tons of viewership uh but their purpose of people going on al jazeera news is mainly to watch the news and being a show about cinema maybe not the best place to have a show right and what was the idea like did they want like a younger audience from the region to tune in i don't know if, I, if this answer is gonna get me in trouble but it's uh it's my answer i guess um i think if if this show were to be on a uh, a channel that is more for entertainment or on a on a streaming platform i think it would be it would get more viewership but it's on youtube gets to be seen by everybody a lot of people have al jazeera on by default so <laughs> there's all that. that's true but i think um putting it on youtube was a great move because you were the one that told me about that and so now i've been able to i start watching it yeah it's based on uh, your schedule sometimes you can't tune into a certain show same thing with radio i mean with radio it's just like there's shows at certain times if you miss it it's not like a podcast where it's just on demand you listen to it at your convenience or you watch a show on a streaming platform at your convenience. So I think it was a really smart move that they put it on YouTube. Yeah. We surpassed uh, half a million subscribers um, recently. Crazy numbers, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's doing good. It's doing good. So the fact that it's on Al Jazeera is, uh, is a good thing because there's a lot of people watching Al Jazeera, but they're watching it for the news. But then it's also on YouTube where you can just go on all you, ha all you need is internet. You don't even have to pay a subscription like, you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or any of these things. So it's it's there. It's out there. So um, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Burnhamaj on cinema, go check it out. And there's English subtitles there. No excuses, guys. Something else that I wanted to get into. During the production process, you know, you talked about how in the beginning there was like a nervousness, which everybody goes through, and then you've overcome that. You managed to navigate it. What are like some challenges that you've faced and, you know, you've had to overcome? Not burning out, not burning out and uh, having enough time to prepare because you're shooting episodes back to back to back to back. You need time to prepare and you need time to not burn out and you want to give your best performance for every episode. Um, how much time do you have to prepare? When do you get the script? Uh, not 
too long before the day of the shoot. A week, two weeks in advance? Let week you can say a week. Okay. You can say a week. I mean, I don't want to say anything less than that because that will make the writers look bad and that will backfire on me. But let's just say a week. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, damn, yeah, that's not a lot of time. But um, so yeah, not burning out. That's a huge thing, especially when you're doing six months of production and you've got 12 hour days. Like how, what do you, to what do you do? to not burn out like how do you manage like what do you do to take care of yourself like what advice do you have for people uh when it comes to burning out because that's a lot of people that are like a lot of people are facing that they just burn out they don't know how to navigate that you have to know what kind of people are uh good vibes around on set you have to have uh breaks uh, a lot of breaks in between and you have to know what you like and try to do that as much as possible when you're not working and get the get the right amount of sleep and put yourself first because you can't you can't help you can't save somebody from drowning if you can't swim there's a there's a saying you can ask somebody there's two trees one of them has a thick trunk and one of them has a thin trunk which one do you think is stronger thick trunk the thick trunk you would think so but you never know the strength of a tree unless you look at its roots and the roots are underground they are unseen so tree that has good roots means it's a strong tree and it's anchored nicely to the ground tree that that has a thin trunk can easily be be blown down even if it has a strong roots but the idea is just like trees have roots we human beings we have roots and our roots are what nourish us they are unseen just like the roots of the tree they take the water they take the minerals from the earth and they make the tree healthy our roots are what make us healthy they re-energize us whether it's uh, you know your roots could be jujitsu your roots could be making podcasts having conversations with people creating music listening to music going for a drive learning something new working out and when you don't do these things you're a little grumpy you're disappointed with yourself you feel under you feel like you're not really doing what you love to do and 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 you feel malnourished like emotionally and psychologically so you got to know what your roots are so that you could be healthy and so that you could feel you know ready to go and give of yourself to people my roots were spending time by myself listening to you know some podcasts in between uh long hours of shooting doing some push-ups and sit-ups every every once in a while exercise is a major one huh yeah yeah because there's no i don't have it i'm not dwayne the rock johnson you know they're not gonna build me a a gym on set so i would just but just like working out at home pull-ups push-ups you're looking lean you're looking healthy thanks man like you said it's i guess it's depending on the person right because different people like they refuel in different ways whether it's being alone or whether it's painting or whether it's music or whether it's jujitsu, you're saying you just got to really know yourself, know your roots and know how to nourish yourself, right? 100%, 100%. And you have to know what's a true root and what's a false root. Oh, that's interesting. Elaborate. Sometimes we think that something that nourishes us and something that we kind of run towards, a habit or a thing that makes us feel good is a root, but it could be a temporary feeling of, of something that feels good temporarily, but after it doesn't really re-energize you but it makes you feel worse things like smoking things like relationships with certain people certain friendships you think that this person is somebody who re-energizes you somebody who you enjoy their company but they're a false root they actually drain you you know you're 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 digging your roots down into soil that you think has nourishment and water but then you get there and it's a it's it's a rocky you know it's it's rocks it's a dry it's a hard ground and 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 you wasted your energy going down there for nothing some people are like that that's true man some activities and habits are like that and we have to recognize which habits are actual roots and which habits are not Oh, absolutely, man. You know, some people are, are root killers, you know? <laughs> I remember back in New Zealand, uh, whenever, like, let's say you have, um, we have all sorts of trees that grow there. Some of them are trees that you don't want, kind of in, in, invasive trees. Weeds. Yeah, weeds, for example. Mm. Um, and you'd have to go buy a root killer. You dig and then you put the root killer around there. So that made me think of that. Like, you got to avoid the whatever habits that are root killers. You got to avoid the people that are root killers. And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you're like, oh, this is, you know, I'm getting nutrients. Like, like someone has good intentions, right? But then deep down, you know, they don't have good intentions or they're not good for you. They're not genuine. God knows I've had like many relationships. Everybody has as part of growing up, right? Yep. And that's one thing that I've spoken about on the podcast with Moby in a recent episode, which was protecting your energy, learning how to protect your energy because that's all you got at the end of the day. Now, when it comes to, because you know, like the overall theme of this podcast is, you know, we learn people's stories and their experiences. You know, we ask our guests always for their advice on how to a better life yeah what wisdom do you have to impart on us um not the right guy to take your life advice from why do you say that you say that like um kind of like a self um i don't know if it's a self-criticism or well um we all have experiences that we can share 
and maybe we can all learn from each other's experiences. Well, is there a certain experience or sometimes it's like mistakes? Like a mis- They say a mistake is not really a mistake. If it's you've reflected lesson. on it and you've taken a lesson, it's only a mistake if you've never learned that lesson. So is there something like a mistake or something or an experience that you've gone through in the past that we can all like reflect on and learn something? There's from? a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, I would say hearts are extremely fragile and precious and uh, our hearts and other people's hearts are extremely fragile and precious and rifqan bil qawarir is a, is a saying um, what does that mean that uh, it, it means be gentle with the qawarir qawarir is like a, a clay pot be gentle with the pots and if you drop a pot a clay pot it's going to break it's going to shatter in this sentence it's a metaphor for hearts some say that it, it refers to not hearts it refers to ladies but i like to see that it refers to hearts because hearts are in both men and women and when you drop a heart it's it, when you drop a, a a pot it shatters it's fragile and hearts are just as fragile as as pots so you have to be careful with them if you drop it, the heart it's going to shatter and here well, you're not just going to drop it out of your hand but things that you say could be hurtful actions that you do could be hurtful so always consider the impact of what you're about to say and what you're about to do on other people because it doesn't feel good sleeping at night when you've hurt somebody who didn't hurt you or or somebody who has actually been kind to you that's the worst though yeah someone's been kind to you and you take and you hurt you them. take that for granted and you hurt them that's yeah. the worst yeah don't do that that's my life advice to you guys don't do that <laughs> don't waste your time man be honest something might feel good for now and uh i don't know if i'm gonna want you to keep this in the podcast i might ask you to take it out later but uh i love it though <laughs> this, is, this is one of my favorite man is it was straight from the heart yeah straight from the heart you know super glued together you know that's how we do that's how we do it man that's how we do you know we start making jokes when we're uncomfortable you know it's, yeah. my, it's my coping mechanism i start to yeah. make you know impressions of other of, of you know like on the characters it's, and things it's like a guy that. thing we're not comfortable you know talking about our feelings yeah feelings are uh, you know <laughs> is that something we should normalize in 2022 100 man 100 i would say see counselors go to counseling read more books we have a distorted image of our reality we think we're supermen and then you do jujitsu and you realize you're not and then you speak to a counselor and you think you're fine and then you realize that you're not but it's okay not to be okay and all you got to do is recognize that and just take a step towards yeah it is okay not to be okay man because there's always this pressure on there's this pressure on on guys to you know always have it together yeah you know always have this persona like yeah i've got i've got it all together like and it's so deeply embedded to the point where sometimes i struggle with my own emotions like sometimes like like let's say i haven't cried sometimes for years and years yeah but it's deep down the pain is inside yeah but it's just so suppressed that even if you wanted to and i remember like you know i remember like you know whether it's a girlfriend or a friend who's who's a girl is like why is it so hard like why can't you just let it out and it's like i can't control it you know like the, the mechanism that that thing that's embedded is so deeply embedded Yeah. that even if you feel the emotions arise, you'll, uh, you know, do what you just did. Make a joke, which yeah. is what I would do. Make a joke, turn it into humor or you'd suppress it in some ways. Like maximum is your eyes will water up a little bit. And yeah. And you're like, get back in yeah. there. You just suck that up. man tear right back in there. Suck it up, man. <laughs> man up, bro. <laughs> exactly. Man up, bro. It's important that we start having these conversations, man. It really is. Yeah, it is. We have to spend, we have to spend time with ourselves and have conversations with ourselves and then convince ourselves that we need to start having conversations with people who are trained to listen to what is broken and how, and then they'll guide us to how it's to fix it basically speaking to professionals right but sometimes we some people don't have access to those professionals what do you do in those circumstances do you go to uh friends some people can do more harm 100 percent. if you go to them with these things sometimes some people give some really bad advice 100 um and we're not in the business of giving bad advice on this podcast no we're not get Uh, vaccinated everybody (laughs) (laughs) booster now um i'm just kidding so what do you do if you don't have access to what do you say like for someone who doesn't have access to a therapist because therapy is expensive man the only time i've ever done therapy was in university when it was provided after university god knows i've needed therapy i just haven't like it was not a priority to to fork out that kind of money it's expensive it's expensive i gotta tell you man it wasn't cheap when i when i tried it um what was your experience like with therapy there was one session where i was like oh 
it just helps you put your finger on certain events that happen in your past that lead to how you behave. And there's a cycle of behavior that keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening. And until you put your finger on the cause of behind why it keeps happening, then it's going to happen again. You can change your house. You can change your hairstyle. You can change your body. You can change your wife. But if you don't change your mind, the same thing is going to happen again. These aren't my words. I heard it on a motivational speech in my ear when I was working out one day. It's very motivational. But it makes sense, right? You got to change your mind so that your behavior will change. So that your behavior will change. And uh, you got to know what's wrong with your mind and what's wrong with the way that you think. Because sometimes we think that we know, but we don't. There are some good people who can listen to us. Whether they're our friends or whether they're professionals, someone's someone's out there. And it can just be us being honest with ourselves and having hard conversations. Sometimes that's in the form, and this is something that I've advocated for, something that's worked for me, um, writing. Writing. Journaling. Beautiful. Journaling, man. Because when you journal, you're having a therapeutic, like it's therapeutic and you're having this conversation with yourself and you're letting things out of your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Right. If you get in that habit of journaling, you know, there's a there's a, a podcaster, Tim Ferriss, that said, I journal to trap my monkey mind on the page so I can get on with my day. There's a lot of things in our subconscious mind, you know, and that's why, you know, I've had a solo episode on journaling and there's a lot of people I've recommended journaling to. There are programs when it comes to journaling. You can either journal, like you can decide to like every day I'm going to do my morning pages, which is from Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. And that's when your pen touches the paper and for three pages you write. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. You complain. Whatever is in there, you just let it out on the page. You can do the Jordan Peterson self-authoring program if you want to go deep. That's developed by a bunch of psychologists. And no, that's not, it's not, they don't sponsor the show. (laughs) (laughs) We've got no sponsors on the show. We're independent. Uh Um, But basically it's a structured writing program. Uh And I'll send you a link if you want. And it divides your life into past, present, and future. And you start off by past. Right where you list uh, significant events from your past, there's like a certain amount, and then you go through each one and assess the, what happened, what did you learn from it, how you could have you know, done something that's different. The, the segment on the past, when you go through that and it's hours and hours, for a couple of weeks, you might struggle to sleep, man. Right. Because suddenly you've opened up this, you've opened up the cap, you know, to your subconscious mind and all these emotions and all this trauma and all this pain starts to flow out. Journaling and writing is something that I've used as an alternative to therapy. I mean, obviously, if I had easier access to therapy and if you have access to therapy, you should do it. It's worked for me and I, that's why I tell people to give it a try. Have you have any experience with journaling? I have, I have. But the way that you describe it now, with the subconscious mind and letting it, you know, run wild and free so that you can track it and see what it's saying and what it's doing. Kind of makes me want to go back to doing it. My experience with it is just, uh, you know, keeping track of what I did throughout the day. It wasn't, didn't have a purpose of, uh, the purpose of mental health or, right. or, you know, understanding oneself. But yeah, doing it with that intention would be great. You have to know that nobody's going to read what you're going to write. Right. Because if you're going to, if, if you feel like someone might read it, if you're in a household with other people, you are going to filter what you're going to write. You need to, whatever it takes, if you want to write it all out and then burn it yeah. so nobody sees it, you just yeah. got to let what's deep inside your subconscious mind out there. Yeah. And sometimes you'll surprise yourself, man. Sometimes you'll start realizing things about yourself, whether it's certain desires or certain attributes or things that pissed you off or burn that journal now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Definitely burn that journal. Any final thoughts? Anything I want to leave the audience with? Yeah. One of the guys I know listens to this podcast, he'll listen to an episode two or three times, man. Like there's people that, you know, really resonate with different people that come on the podcast, their experiences, and you know, it helps a lot of people. Yeah. Take time to think about what you really want. And uh, no matter how great it is, um, create milestones and make plans to reach every milestone and you're going to get there eventually. Take time to find out what you want. And once you know exactly what it is, Put the milestones down and make plans to reach every milestone and it's going to be doable. Slowly but surely, you're going to get there. And just like how Sid does jujitsu, slow, painful achievements. Trust in the process. Trust in the process. Well, man, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. If you listen to that podcast, you enjoyed the episode, give us your feedback, share the episode, and uh, we'll catch you later. Catch All you right. later. We're out. Peace. <laughs>
You've been listening to Curated Advice on Better Living. It's our passion to interview guests on their experiences to bring you different perspectives on personal development, on everything from healthy habits to mindset to relationships to functional movement and biohacking. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we hope you've gotten some information that can change your mindset. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, we'll leave you with this from Bruce Lee. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friends.